You're listening to Object of Sound from Sonos, the show where we bring you in tune with the music that shapes our culture. When music lives in the air, it's one thing, but when you know the undercurrents and the ideas that went into a song, when you can feel its weight, it becomes more meaningful. I'm Hanif Abdurraqib, a poet and culture critic, and I'll be your guide as we seek a deeper way of listening. So you may have noticed that this episode is a bit longer than our usual show. That's because this is a special end of the year episode that's also being broadcast nationally with our partners at PRX and affiliate stations across the country. We're excited for new listeners to join us as we celebrate the great music released in 2022 and some of the incredible music we have to look forward to in the new year. Let's get started. If you've been listening to this show for a while, you know that I am rigorous with my practice of listening to new albums. Each week on Fridays, I make a list of all the things I want to listen to, and I do this by scouring blogs and Bandcamp or taking recommendations from friends or things people send me. And then I build out a long playlist that I use to play through the entire weekend. And from there, I break off the albums that I love the most. Usually, I would say that is about four to seven albums per week, and those work into my kind of year-long consistent rotation. And so when I get to the end of the year, I now have this abundance of music that I've loved, and I kind of piece through those to discern what I love the most, what moved me the most this year, what pleased me the most this year, and what I've come to understand about this process. For me, it's not at all about determining what I believe is the best. It is, for me, a process of gratitude to say I'm grateful for this handful of albums that got me through the year and to get to spend time with them, revisiting them is so pleasurable. And so on this special episode of Object of Sound, I'm inviting a few guests into this process with me to reflect on this year in music, to revisit what collectively moved us, what changed in music making, and get excited about what lies in the new year ahead. We'll hear from the artist Kalela, who, much to my delight, returned this year from a five-year musical hiatus and who has a new album on the way in early 2023. Personally, I didn't need much motivation to want to make it into 2023 healthy and alive, but now I have all the motivation I need. I'll be sitting down with Santi Gold, who just released her fourth album, Spirituals, in late September. I adored that record so much, it was one of the real highlights of the year for me. But before I bring on Kalela or Santi Gold, I have a special guest joining me, Sam Sanders. If you're not yet following everything Sam Sanders does, this is a good moment to start. Sam is a music journalist and the host of Vulture's podcast, Into It. And today, we're going to compare notes on the musical highs of our years. So, without further ado, here's my conversation with Sam Sanders. Are you, uh, I don't do Spotify rap, do you? I do. Will you share some highlights from yours? Um, I mean, it's just the Beyonce show this year, but let's talk about it. Okay, Sam, what do you got? All right, so, so far, I did listen to music and podcasts for over 45,000 minutes this year. More than 90% of other listeners in the U.S. My most played song 
was Cuff It by Beyonce. I played it 65 times. I feel like falling in love. I'm in the mood to fuck something up. 65 times. I really love Beyonce, but that is a lot of Beyonce, Sam. Oh, yeah. <laughs> my top five songs were Cuff It by Beyonce, Break My Soul by Beyonce. Cozy by Beyonce. Virgo's Groove by Beyonce. And number five was L'Enfer by Stromae. Belgian French artist yes. who is making the most interesting global pop there is right now. I love him. One of my favorite albums of the year. No joke, one of my favorite albums so of the year. So good. So I'm wondering how you're listening, since you lived with it for so long, I'm wondering how your listening of Renaissance changed over time. I think for me, what I found most fascinating in my listening this year was the ways in which Beyonce's album Renaissance became a different album for me every few weeks or months since its release so when i first uh was playing it it was in the car or like on the airpods when it was first released and it took me a week to get it and then i loved it obviously but then when i had my first long plane flight and played the album on some like expensive noise canceling bluetooth headphones I heard layers of the album that I had never heard before, and I came to just respect the detail of production and the detail in the vocal arrangements that Beyonce is doing the whole album. You rarely hear her voice not being layered upon her voice and stacked with all these harmonies and performing all these intricate vocal stylings, the whole album. And you hear that so much more in some really good headphones, you know? And then I experienced the album again when I got it on vinyl finally and would play the vinyl in my house. I was more likely to just play the whole album. And then that gave me the feeling of like renaissance as house party like that album top to bottom is like a dj set you know and it sets a mood for a room i think i had it playing at every house party i had this year or get together in the backyard it was the soundtrack so yeah i think that was like in terms of my biggest musical plot arc this year it was not just loving renaissance when it came out but it was like experiencing renaissance in a new way every few weeks because of how I listened to it. I haven't had that experience with an album, I want to say, ever. And it was great. So speaking of our end-of-the-year summaries, we're both critics to some degree. How do you feel about the practice of year-end lists? Because... Ever since I've gotten out of like the clutches of having to write one for, say, like a corporate media entity, I've like honed in on how to praise my favorite albums without making it seem like a best of yes. authority thing, my list above all. But how do you feel about the kind of deluge of best of lists that are seemingly upon us? I saw the first one 
just yesterday, which felt a little early. My thought is that they always come too early. Oh, they do. It's like there are lots of people who release albums in December or late November. What about them? Yes, absolutely. I will say I've seen this larger shift from like the definitive voices you trust making the list of the best albums and songs of the year. And it's kind of the same across all the voices you trust. We've left that behind. And now what we're left is everyone showing you their own little private world. And so part of me loves it because I've noticed now that I have Spotify wrapped, any pressure I felt to tell folks or make a list on my own of my favorite albums and songs is like, I don't have to do that. But two, it's just kind of like it speaks more to this like general shift in the culture where like the focus has moved from a few people telling you what's great to everybody just telling you what they were doing. And that's good and bad, right? I mean, I think it's a great manifestation of fandom, right? Like fandom mm-hmm. and the accessibility of fandom for all, all can be at least some form of critical listener and then put that out into the world. But for me, it can make it a little bit harder to find things that I might have missed that I want to be excited about. Oh, yeah. Like you're not going to get something you haven't heard before because you're sharing your Spotify wrapped with all of your other friends who also love Beyonce and it's just like the Beyonce show on our Spotify wrapped, right? Whereas in the era of like Sam feverishly goes to the store late November for the Spin magazine issue of the best albums, I would find new stuff that way, right? There's just less of that. And what's really interesting is that I will give the algorithms credit. Sometimes the Spotify algorithm and the Apple Music algorithm will give you new artists that seem fun. But for me, that's not always manifested in the Spotify wrapped. Like, I love Cuff It, but just because Cuff It was my most played song this year, it doesn't even mean that it was my favorite song on that album. My favorite song on Renaissance is Heated. But it just got played less right. because it was literally later on the album. Right, right. So, yeah, we lose some of that. I think maybe that's why I'm averse to Spotify wrapped for a few reasons. But one of it is just, it just seems the math of it is not like the fullest representation of a year in listening. Which kind of segues gently into this ask I have about end of year listening. Do you have any end of year music listening or revisiting traditions? Or are you just kind of like the things that I heard and loved and carried with me most robustly throughout the year? That's what I've got. And that's what I'm rolling with as the year winds down. That always happens, but without fail, towards the end of the year, I keep kind of adding to my list of like albums that should have gotten more play in the last three to five years period. For me, the album that I'm spending the last part of this year just telling my friends about was the one from Dijon. The album is absolutely, the album was released last year. Do you still take a long time to get ready? It's been out for well over a year now. Have you heard it? Man, that album is is like, whew. It's remarkable. I th- yeah, that's going to endure for me. That's going to be like five years from now. I'm still, that's still going to be like one of my most played albums of the year. I'm happy to be catching up. No, we don't have to patch things up. 
it's incredible. And like, it's funny. I'm like making my boyfriend get into Dijon. I'm like, you have to get into it. And that title track, which very much feels like him and all his friends in the living room jamming out and like a melody just comes to them. I like how you look when you go My boyfriend's like, oh, my God, in a weird way, it's giving Wilco. And I'm like, you know what? If that's what it took to get you, yes. But, like, I'm just, like, a brand evangelist for Dijon for, like, the rest of this year because he should have had a good year last year. He deserves that now. In the same way, that really great Labyrinth album, Imagination and the Misfit Kid. Imagination is the sun lopsided in the Birds fly sideways and I shake the sky with a heavenly smile on my face And I draw Picasso's and I spray paint Banksy's And we live on L-O-V-E like it was our salaries I'm still telling folks to go find that fucking album and make it your own Because it's so good, right? That Labyrinth album, I think it did not get the affection it deserved And that was, what, 2019, I think? Exactly, like a while back, yeah. I loved that record, and I was a little down on the fact that I don't think got the love it deserved, but I'm glad you are spreading the gospel. Oh, yeah. Well, and then it's like there's just some others even from this year where it's like I will spend the last month just making sure everyone who knows me knows them. OG. Did you know that it's a sin to covet? Baby, I can't help the fact you love it. She was an acapella star at Northwestern and then got a career out of that. She has this song called Envy. It's some of the smoothest R&B you'll hear this year. She has a very short, like, six-track EP that needs to be on everyone's year-end list and, like, no one knows who she is yet, you know? I know that your reasons were ugly Just dodge the attack And you really should be so ashamed I caught you in the act And now you won't forget I am that's kind of what I do at the end of each year. It's like, who are the ones that I still want to proselytize about? That happens all the time. I also spend some time just thinking about, like, were there any big trends in music this year? Like, big trends just in pop music. And I'm wondering if you saw any, like, large macro trends. Yeah, well, I think, like, very big choruses are back across genre. Like, even, you know, one of my favorite albums of the years was from this Japanese punk band named Nick Fit. Just the choruses were so bright and weighty. Choruses never really went away, but this very specific brand of large, chunky, fluorescent chorus that is the meat of the song, that seems to be back in a way that delights me. Oh, totally, totally. I mean, I even think of like, I didn't love the album, but I loved the lead single. Antihero? Yeah. Taylor Swift made one of the best choruses she'd ever made, and she's been making great choruses for a while. It's incredible. It's me. She is exercising a range in just singing the chorus when she runs down that last part. Like, she never has a chorus that, like, gives you a whole octave of Taylor. She's not that kind of singer, but she does it here. It's true. Like, chorus is back. And this is what was really interesting to me about Taylor and thinking of, like, the other big pop stars of our time. All of them seemed to be either stuck where they've been for the last few years or waiting to go to that next 
level. Like, I feel like Taylor Swift has just gotten a lot better at being Taylor Swift. You know, like she's really good at doing that. Drake still sounds like Drake. He's just even thinner skinned. Kendrick made a whole album about being a dad and not trying to be anyone's savior. You know, Adele still makes us cry on demand. And Beyonce gave us this album that felt like it was going to lead to like a revolutionary new moment of Beyonce. And then there was no video and no tour announcement. Right. And so like the one artist who did do a thing that was revolutionary this year with her album, she didn't give us the full revolution yet that we've expected, you know, and I just feel like musically I'm waiting for the next big thing, at least in American pop, you know, like if the big stars are waiting for the next thing or stuck in a rut, who is the next big star? Like we haven't had a Billie Eilish moment since Billie Eilish. Right. So a lot of American pop on the big scale felt almost in a stasis, save for renaissance. And then when I think of what felt the most revolutionary and groundbreaking this year, it was everything from outside of America. I think Bad Bunny is a fucking star on an Elvis level. And he's doing stardom really interestingly in a way that America doesn't even understand yet. We have not seen a megawatt pop star be as talented and musically proficient as Rosalia. Like, it's incredible. She is making music that is breathtaking, artistic. It is genre bending. And she's like a professional musician and also a star. Like, that's a big deal. And I think that Stromae is making the most interesting global pop of the moment right now. So for me, it was this weird thing where it's like everything happening in global music felt really interesting. And most of the big American pop this year, in spite of the bright spots, it kind of felt like a little bit of stasis. This all leads me to ask, especially because you talked about the global element of pop music, is there anything next year that you find yourself looking forward to, either from a release standpoint, like this album is coming, or in terms of these trends? I am, like, ready for Renaissance Phase 2 from Beyonce. Like... Wait, the do you album think it's coming? Exquisite. Do you think we're going to get a phase two, or do you think we got what we got? Well, there, I know that we, I know that the, the phase two is ostensibly coming, but I am a little skeptical. I feel like I'm the only person skeptical. You'll recall, remember when Maxwell released, was it Black Summer's Night, mid-Black Summer's Night yes. something, and he was like, this is going to be a three-album series, yes. and it just wasn't? Maxwell is the architect of my skepticism. <laughs> but I do think she's going to give us some videos. And if I were a betting man, I'd say that she would release the videos around the time of the Grammys, because she probably knows that she's going to get album of the year this year, because they fucking owe her. And so I think there might be like a pop of Beyonce energy around the Grammys and the videos, and then hopefully the tour happens. And that will mean that 2023 is also the year of Beyonce in the way that 2022 was for a lot of us. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, I'm looking forward to the music industry fully feeling like it's back outside. Like I'm ready for stadium tours again. I'm ready to really be doing live music on a big scale. We almost got there this year, but not quite. And then I think I'm just like waiting for, I'm waiting for the new Billie Eilish. I'm waiting for that 
pop star that seems to appear out of nowhere that like captures the hearts and minds of all of us across demographic and as a pop hit and a commercial hit and an artistic hit as well i think like every few years we get that and i'm ready for it again sam sanders thank you so much for talking to me and thank you for running down your year in music and letting me uh pick through your brain a bit for what you're excited about and what could be coming next thank you for indulging me this was so delightful that was Sam Sanders. You can listen and subscribe to his shows, Intuit and Vibe Check, wherever you get your podcasts. And I hope that you do subscribe because they are both excellent. In this hour, we're looking back on some of the unforgettable music that was released this past year and looking ahead towards some of the exciting releases coming our way in 2023. And we're hearing from you, our listeners, who have called in to share some of the songs that moved you to joy this year. For me, one of those songs was the song If You Only Knew by Gabriels. In the back of my head, trying to figure out how. The Gabriels album is stunning, and Jacob Lusk, who is the lead singer of Gabriels, has a voice that kind of just keeps ascending and never stops ascending, and it seems to grow wings and then continues to grow larger and larger wings. When you hit the thunder It just not only delights me, but makes me feel spiritually warm, uh, which I think the best singers can do. Now, though, I'm eager to hear what you all have to say, so I'll turn it over to you. This is Dennis from San Diego, California right now. And I learned this year that I'm going to be a father. He's coming January 24th. And so the Wonder Years, this is a, they've been a band that have grown with me my entire life. And every time something's sort of going around, a song comes out from them that happens in the moment I need them and this year they came out with their album one of the big songs on it was Your Name or Wyatt's song and it's about him becoming a new father so it made me join I just remember driving home one day from work I must have been a song I started just tearing up and just was, was just really happy Hi, my name is Marjorie. I'm from Dearborn, and I'm calling to talk about Not a Love Song by Sasami, a song that really, really moved me to joy this year. I could hear a song. Um, I, I picked this song partially because I don't think Squeeze, the album that it's from, is going to top a lot of people's best of lists for the year, but I also think this song is just really, really gorgeous. It hits like this specific feeling that I get as somebody who makes art about, you know, trying and failing to capture like absolute beauty and truth. And took my breath away. I tried to turn it in to something so profound. It's a song that's like, super uplifting while kind of being about this failure but it's also you know so much about sharing that beauty regardless with people you love and it's a song that i've shared with many people that i love hi i'm hetem i'm calling from pittsburgh pennsylvania my favorite song this year is definitely piece of me by lady ray also known as nicole ray i'll let you take a piece of me i hope you get the piece you need 
you know, it's a sad song, but it brings me joy because a lot of the song is about giving to people that we've been in relationships with. And, you know, after a year wraps up, thinking about relationships that begin and relationships that end. And not only what others have offered to me, but maybe, you know, I was able to offer something to someone else. Thank you for calling into the hotline and sharing some of the songs that moved you to joy this year. Coming up, I'm speaking with the artist Santi Gold. Santi Gold has been quietly working on new music throughout the pandemic, and this year we were collectively lucky because she released what has quickly become one of my favorite records of 2022, Spirituals. Now, I'm joined by the artist Santi Gold. Hi, Santi Gold. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. I want to start with one song from your album that was on my rotation that kind of renewed me. I mean, I love the whole record, but the song Nothing is one that really just burrowed into my head the first time I heard it, and it kind of yeah. propelled me through the back half of the year. Yeah. It's like, I love that chorus. I love the chorus so, so much. So gratitude for that. Thank you. So just a couple months ago, you released your album, Spirituals, and this is your first album in a handful of years. And I'm mostly wondering what it was like getting back into the process of album making now and how you found yourself renewed by it or rejuvenated by it. Yeah, I mean, this album, more than any album I've ever made before, was... I mean, enjoyable is not even a strong enough word. You know, it was like necessary and sustaining and almost like life-saving making this record because I was making it during the pandemic and it was such a struggle. I mean, with all that was going on in the world, there was like the wildfires, there were the, the all the police brutality and the, and the resulting protests and riots were happening. And then also I had three tiny children that I was kind of locked in with. So I was like in survival mode trying to just take care of my family. And I just felt like I was drowning. And finally, at some point, I was like, look, I thank God I had a studio set up in the back house. And I was like, you just got to get out there for like, even if it's like three hours a day. And I was able to get three hours a day. And I just, I just went back and I would write my lyrics. And I'll tell you, I think that mothers are the most efficient people in the world because <laughs> we can get stuff done fast, you know? So I was writing, I was writing those songs and then I recorded. It was wonderful. That part, I mean, that's what I learned. Like my creativity and my ability to go inside and just create what I need for myself is really a thing that really saved me. Are you a musician who who immerses yourself in the music of others when you're in kind of a year where your album comes out? Are you like, are you locked into what you're doing? Sometimes there's music that inspires me. I listen to like a lot of old stuff a lot. And particularly when I was making this record, I kind of went back to the music that I grew up listening to because I grew up listening to 
music that was like social commentary. My dad listened to like Roots Reggae and Nina Simone and Marvin Gaye and like Bela Kuti. People that were talking about revolution and change, last poets, you know? So I just couldn't listen to anything that wasn't really talking about anything. The messages were so timeless and so relevant. So that's actually what I was listening to. Like people like Fela and Nina Simone, all that stuff, you know? I mean, Fela is one of my favorite artists of all time. Like Expensive Shit is one of my favorite albums ever made. And so every year I feel like I, I get deeper and deeper into into his stuff, particularly his live performances. Like I watch endless videos of his live performances. So good. One artist I would give anything to have seen. Yeah. Do you seek out new stuff or are you still like really, are you like really completely immersed no, in No, no. Like if I hear something new, there's a lot that I hear sonically that I'm really into. Like that little Yachty song, Poland, sounds really great. I took the Right? You know that song? I know that song. <laughs> yeah. and I feel like it, it. I've like put it on my like running playlist or whatever because of the beat. It's just yeah. propulsive. So I, I'm very in tune with like what's coming out, but it's usually like one song, one song here, one song there, and I'll equally be into that. And also like the Lijadu Sisters from Nigeria in the seventies. I also have three children, and I'm like trying to run. <laughs> And, and now it takes it takes a lot of work to find good music, to find new music. And you have to really like be in it and looking for stuff. And I don't really have the time. So I usually just, you know, I just stumble upon stuff. That is an incredible perspective of it is very labor intensive to find things that you love and to stick with them. In the spirit of looking back at the year in music, one thing I really wanted to ask you about is your decision to cancel your tour. Something more than a few musicians have done this year. And what I loved about the letter you wrote announcing that choice was that it was framed as an act of care. I think that was really what struck a chord with me and with so many people I know. And I'm interested in how you've continued to care for yourself as you've rolled out this album. Honestly, it's been a struggle. It's been a real struggle. And I think it's because I'm trying to come up with a new manifesto. Basically, you know, I'm trying to map a new route through my life, really, because I think what happened was, I mean, there was a lot of work. I mean, I've been doing a lot of work just on myself in the last couple of years. And I think this album was reflective of a lot of that. And so I think that part of me canceling my tour was was honoring the things that I've been talking about and working about and striving towards, and which is like, you know, honoring yourself and, and not crossing your own boundaries. And I think that I've realized in order to stay in a lot of the, well, in the music industry in general, there's so many instances where you don't do that because you feel like you don't have an option. And, and so eventually I think where I'm at right now is like when I, when I did that, when I canceled my tour, I also was like, I canceled my tour, but also I'm not going to do that anymore which is a really big thing to say because that's how the whole industry works. <laughs> the industry's based on artists never getting what we deserve and what we're valued on. You know, not not every artist, but most artists. For instance, what there's one of the, the biggest festivals in the UK and they pay artists probably not even enough for airfare for their crew to play the festival. 
And I was talking to my agent and I was like, this is the biggest festival in the UK. Like, why can't they pay their artist? And he's like, oh, well, they give a lot of money to charity. And I was like, but why is it more important to give money to charity when you're asking all these artists to work for free when they can't pay their bills? Like, I get it, but like, why do the artists have to always be the last ones to get paid? You know what I mean? And that's acceptable. It's like, it's just this like understood thing in our culture that artists are always supposed to just do it because, you know? So I realized that artists have been sort of conditioned to never really stand up for what they know they need. And so I'm, I'm trying to undo that, that wiring in myself to, to accept things that are unacceptable. And that's a real leap of faith, to be honest, right now, because I don't know what it looks like to say no to all those things. And I'm just trying to like go one step at a time and figuring out what that means for me. I definitely don't really feel like I want to be in an industry that is like this. There's no way I would ever say I quit music because I don't quit music. I'll always make music. But I think I'm quitting doing it in a way that doesn't make any sense. Thank you for how candid this is. I mean, I've been struggling with this too because artists, you know, as you said, they're kind of expected to do this work and not be compensated or cared for in the process. But then we also live in a society that turns to artists when shit goes down, right? Right. And and asks artists to like make sense of whatever catastrophe the society has built for itself, which is an endlessly frustrating cycle, truly. Yeah. Santa Gold, thank you so much for talking to me. I cannot stress how much not only this record meant to me, but also to get to witness the way that you kind of reclaimed some real care for yourself. That was like really instructive for me, instructive for a lot of folks who I know I know who make art. Um, we were really just moved by that. And so thank you for making this time. And thank um, you. Yeah, it was really I wonderful. was moved I was moved by the fact that people let me know that it moved them. That to me was beyond what I could have imagined. And it was so meaningful and it's so important that I feel that people felt seen and like their experience was like validated even in that way. And and it made me feel like there was some real community there for all of us. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Thank you. That was Santi Gold. Check out her album Spirituals released earlier this year and available to stream now. We've been looking back at all the musical highlights of the past year, and to do that, I want to share a few more responses from our Object of Sound hotline. Hi, uh, my name is Leah, and I'm calling from Davis, California. The song that made me feel the most joyful this year is a song called Freakalizer by Sudan Archive. Off of her latest record, Natural Brown Prom Queen. And it's really propulsive, but also really kind of liquid and dreamy. And it's about kind of recognizing that things will change and things will end, but we have to embrace the present anyway, and we have to embrace each other. It reminds me of my partner. We fell in love. This is the year that we met. And they're just kind of everything that I always sort of dreamed a person could be, but like never thought that I would ever meet. The song makes me think of them. Hi, Anise. My name is Paula. And I really wanted to call in to express my love for the song A. 
Free the Homies by Vince Staples. It's a song that in the crux of my post-college, mid-20s, full pandemic um, mode brain really brings a summertime nostalgia. Trophy in the hood, ay. I recently moved and something about this song um, playing around other people has made it easier to make friends. It makes me feel crazy inside in the best way. Hey, honey, it's Sarah Combs and I'm calling from Lexington, Kentucky. There is a definitely a song from this year that completely blew me away and floored me. It was one of those moments where I heard it on the college radio station and I was driving in my car and I had to pull over. Anyway, the song is by a new to me artist called Talk, all caps, T-A-L-K. And the song is Run Away to Mars and I cannot get enough of it. Hey, Hanif, this is Nate calling you from Utah. And one song that brought me an immense amount of joy this year is called Float Back to You by Holy Hive. At the start of 2022, I found myself falling in love with a girl, a girl who I'm actually going to marry next summer. So throughout all of 2022, you now in the evenings and the nights um, after I had spent my day with her on my drive home, that song was just always playing out of my car. And I just had this big, dumb smile on my face. Thank you for calling in and sharing some of the songs that moved you this year. I was so excited to hear a lot of them. Some of them I had forgotten about. Some of them moved me as well. I'm going to make a playlist out of those, and that will carry me through the end of the year and into 2023. We've already talked this hour with Sam Sanders about some of the music he can't wait for in 2023. And for me, personally, one of the albums I am most looking forward to is Kalela's Raven, which will be released in just a few short months on February 10th of next year. So now, I am so excited to share with you my conversation with Kalela. Hi, Hanif. Thank you so much for joining me. Um, Kalela, I hate to, to ask a generic question like this, but I am interested if um, you could kind of summarize what people can expect to hear on Raven, because I, I think like what people have heard so far is, is just been thrilling and it's kind of expanded my imagination around what the album could sound like. And I know it's hard to encapsulate that much work and creativity, but you know, if you could try to summarize what people could can expect. No, I appreciate the question because um, focusing on, on the sound of this record and the feelings um, that it might produce, I would say... I sought out to kind of take up space in, in all the facets and, and not all of them, but, you know, as many as I felt like within the wide umbrella of what we call dance music. And I, I kind of sought to complicate what that means for everyone, but also for Black people specifically, for us to have a 
a sonic experience that's like, that's us, and also that's us, also that sound, as this sound as well, and all of them have a relationship with each other that is seamless. So, like, a menu of options, you know? And we're traversing many different sonic spaces. Like, I, I want you to see the relationship between jungle and a halftime trap beat. And so that's also another reason why the album is a continuous play. So I did try to make it so that it's as if I'm DJing the album and making it so every song seamlessly goes into the next. I guess that is uh, one of the experiences that I really want people to have is the sort of like discovery um, that happens through blending and mixing um, and transitions. I can't wait. I can't wait. And I, I also wanted to ask you what kind of music you were listening to while you were working on the album and gearing up for the rollout this year. I guess the second half of this year, I think I've been more in the mode of revisiting. And one record that has been giving me so much life this year that I like didn't know I needed is Love for Sale, the Bilal record. People on not So Bilal is just an incredible um, artist who in, I think, 2003 or four or something like that, he made a record. It was a sophomore effort, Love for Sale, for those of us who make left of center R&B and soul music, I think, it's just canonical. There are so many songs, it's hard to pinpoint the one, but um, Make Me Over. Woo! Oh my God. Like, every time the song changes, I'm looking at whoever's in the room like, ugh. Gosh, I, I love that album so much. And I guess I'm, I'm curious, what brought you back to it at this point in time? It was a new crush, obviously. You're not listening to that record if y'all got something going on. <laughs> You're not breaking that back out if you don't have something going on in the background. So, yeah, there was a new crush. It was a very refreshing feeling. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, I, I think that new love can make you go back and revisit old favorites and hear them differently or hear different nuances of sound or lyric that, uh, I, I don't know, when the heart is most open, I think our musical interpretation could be at its greatest. In the spirit of looking ahead at the year to come, I was wondering if there are any artists you'd especially love to hear from in the new year. I'm a huge Baby Mother fan. Like, just the whole situation, the whole thing. So that's somebody that I'm paying a lot of attention to. Baby Mother, that was uh, like both Motherland and, and like, that was another one of those moments where I, I feel like I walked out of 2020 being like, we've benefited so much from this person's presence and work ethic and I hope they rest. Actually, you know, I also, Tamaguchi. I feel so cute, baby, I'm in the mood. And it's a 
yeah, their tone is just so sweet. And I really appreciate their come from, just how they approach music as well. Rochelle Jordan, uh, who obviously put something out last year. I'm a huge fan. I put some cash to the side. Just in case you and I, I, I. Count It, I think she gets like the pen of the year award for that song. That song is a just canonical at this point for me already, instantly, you know? It went straight into the, the folder. Yeah, there's a lot of people that I'm excited about. And what about trends you're hearing in music right now? Is there anything you're noticing that strikes you as new or fresh? I don't know. I feel like there's something shifting, not just sonically, but also, I don't know, the culture of impatience, fast food, but fast music, you know what I'm saying? I feel like the slow food culture, you know, I feel like there is a movement being birthed or a wave that feels like it's slowing down the pace. I think of someone like Raven Linnae. Raven is, is the best example, I feel like, because when I heard her approach and just, you know, singing in her head voice like that, just, I don't know, it was like, right. I have been wanting to hear that, a level of softness and gentleness. You know, Ari Lennox, I would also say, has done that. Nick Hakim also is like this tempo. I'm trying to say, I think that that's that's something I just, you know, this level of softness and this tempo. Kalela, I feel like I could talk to you forever about the music you love and your music. I'm such a big fan. To hear you talk about the music and culture that you are interested in, it really crystallizes and clarifies why your work has always sounded so adventurous and fresh. And uh, it will undoubtedly help me return to your music with fresher ears. Wow, thank you so much. This has been such a pleasure, and I would love to talk to you again anytime. Absolutely. It's, Absolutely. it's thank a you. pleasure. That was Kalela. Her album Raven is out next year on February 10th. And now for a final thought. This is our last episode of the year, and it is also our last episode of season four. This has, for me, been the most special season of Objective Sound that we've all gotten to take a part in. I'm so grateful for the team of producers and the team who works behind the scenes to make this show sound the way it does because I promise you, it is not just me in a house talking into a microphone and then it sounding like this at the end. A lot of people work on this and I've learned so much from them and I hope it's been at least somewhat of a reciprocal process. But I I do want to stress that this season, 
with what we've been able to do with the Scott Hutchison tribute to have this kind of series on songwriting. This one has felt like we really expanded our capacity for what we can do. I think we are also aware, if I can speak for everyone I work with here, that this is not a self-serving entity. We are trying to do something special for people who return and who listen. So if you are a new listener, welcome. I hope you'll go back and listen to the back episodes while we're away. And we're so glad to have you. This also felt like a season for considering for me how to better honor artists and see them as full individuals beyond what they produce. And if all we believe is that people who make things are tied to production and therefore tied to our consumption, then I think we actually lose what makes a person's art interesting. Why I mentioned the series on songwriting is because when I talked to Nick Hakim and Carly Rae Jepsen and Raven Lene, sure, we were talking about the mechanics of songwriting, but I also was able to get some insight into who they are as people, which then made their work more interesting to me. And so I, I think the one thing that I've always tried to champion on this show is really generous, close listening, because in the work of close listening, you are still consuming, of course, but hopefully through that close listening, you're also honoring the people who create the songs that bring us joy and by doing so, expand our own imagination. So I really hope that we can take that into the next year and I hope to be back with you soon again. This has been Object of Sound from Sonos. Thank you to our guests this week, Santa Gold, Sam Sanders, and Kalila. Object of Sound is a weekly show where we fuse conversations and music playlists to build community around music and guide us all to deeper listening. New episodes come out every Friday. We've had some incredible artists on the show, people like Bjork, Carly Rae Jepsen, Mavis Staples, Jack White, and more. Subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast app, listen back to past episodes, and follow us to see what's next. We're at Object of Sound on Instagram and Twitter, plus Sonos Radio on Instagram. This show is produced by Work by Work. Scott Newman, Gemma Rose Brown, Kathleen Ottinger, Rhiannon Corby, and by me, Hanif Abdurraqib. The show is mixed by Sam Baer. Extra gratitude to Edwin Ochoa, Jason Saldana, and the team at PRX. And, of course, Joe Dawson and Saida Blount at Sonos. Thank you so much for listening. <laughs>